We use our phones for everything at this point, and I am absolutely guilty of that. I look up recipes on my phone. I meal plan on my phone. I use my GPS, even though I know where I'm going. (laughs) (laughs) But did you know that you can also use your phone for some sexy me time? Don't worry. Your fantasies are safe with Dipsy. Just don't forget to use your headphones. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with vampires, Greek gods, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. They also have soothing sleep stories, wellness sessions, and sexy written stories to read. Let Dipsy be your go-to place to spice up your me time. Explore your fantasies, relax and unwind, or even heat things up with a partner. For listeners of our show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash justbreakup. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipsystories.com slash justbreakup dipsystories.com slash just break up. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like marriage as the end goal, doing everything right and it still isn't enough, and struggling with spontaneity. Mm. But before we begin, we just want to give our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we are not licensed mental health practitioners, relationship counselors, anything in any way legitimate. We are just two people making things up as we go along, Yep, as are most of the the world. Yeah, and like quoting things that we saw on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we are not professionals. We are not trained in any of this. So please take our advice as you see fit. We are only two mere mortals offering our humble musings to hopefully shed some understanding on maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love. All right, Sam, I'm super excited about this week's check-in topic because it's sharing some exciting behind-the-scenes news that has been, like, brewing behind the scenes um, Mm -hmm. for a couple months now. Um, So this is a two-part announcement for our Just Break Up community. First, um, Sam, Spencer, and I are thrilled to announce that we have decided to start our own podcast network. Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo. Um, so we're doing kind of like a soft open with this podcast network because of the second part of this news. Um, so you're going to hear more about this, but we wanted to, to share this cool news with you and share a little bit about why we want to do this. Um, so Sam and I have been doing Just Break Up with Spencer for three and a half years now. And one of the things, one of the biggest things that we've learned from doing this podcast as independent creators is... There's a lot of gatekeeping that happens in creative industries, especially in a in an industry like podcasts that is a free medium. <laughs> you know, there's a lot yeah. of gatekeeping um, from in between independent creators like us and the resources and access to things that grants us creators sustainability and success. Um, 
the ability to do like a something like a podcast in a way that's more than just like a side hustle that you do after work and you don't get paid for, (laughs) Um, you know, and it's not, you know, it's not about the money, but it's about being able to make sure that the creative process for independent artists and creators and, and speakers out there is a process that is sustainable. That's not going to burn them out. You know, there's so many small podcasts out there in the huge infinite ocean of the podcast world that people are, you know, making in their basements, in their spare time after they put their kids to sleep, you know, and they're doing it because they love to. um, And they're doing it because they love their audiences, but they're not necessarily getting back what they're putting into it. So this is all to say in our three and a half year journey as a podcast, we've learned a lot and we've had some doors open for us. We've had to find some doors. (laughs) We've had to Mm -hmm. kick some doors open. We've had to make some doors and we feel like we've learned a lot about like how to, how to help independent creators make something sustainable for them. And so Mm -hmm. we're creating Duvid Media, which is our Mm. podcast network's name, which you'll learn a little bit more about as we do, as we open Duvid more to the public. Um, but we're just thrilled to do this. Uh, nothing's going to change um, in terms of Just Breakup other than we are now a product of David Media. And hopefully in the future, you'll hear more about that. You'll hear more about shows that David Media is putting out. And, which leads me to the second part of this announcement, which is that uh, one of the first shows that David Media is producing is Spencer, our amazing producer, a.k.a. Big Cats, um, Spencer's brand new show called Finding Quantum Quest. Now, I can tell you a little bit about it, but I thought the best way to introduce it is to play the trailer for the show right here during the check-in topic, and then I'll tell you a little bit about my super excited feelings about it. So here's the trailer to Spencer's <laughs> <laughs> brand new show, um, Finding Quantum Quest. Quick recap. Yes. Harry Kluwer. CIA agent. <laughs> along with Dan St. Pierre, world-class animator, worked at the biggest animation studios in the world. Uh-huh. Get every actor in Hollywood to make a $10 million movie for NASA in Taiwan. NASA brings their Michael Jordan out of retirement to oversee the production. They go to Taiwan to some studio that's never made a movie before. It runs out exactly one screen in Louisville, Kentucky for six months and then disappears forever. It's so obscure that people who worked on it have never seen it or claim to have never even heard of it. And the federal government has no record of it ever happening despite spending tax dollars on it. Oh my God. Quantum Quest might be the biggest movie you've never heard of. It's a 2010 animated sci-fi movie starring Chris Pine, John Travolta, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Amanda Peet, James Earl Jones, Mark Hamill, William Shatner, Samuel L. Jackson, Jason Alexander, Sandra Oh, and Neil Armstrong. It ran in exactly one theater in Kentucky, then disappeared forever. It never got a wide theatrical release or home video release, and it's never been on any streaming services. I set out to find Quantum Quest, and along the way realized there's a lot more to the story than your typical lost media piece and the butterfly effect of this project reaches further than I could have imagined. Finding Quantum Quest started as the search for a lost movie, but ended up being much more. I spoke with filmmakers, actors, NASA employees, and neuroscientists who led me down a rabbit hole of art, science, exploration, and ultimately what it means to be human. To be honest, I, I, 
I didn't even think about it after we, we finished. I, I knew that it was it was supposed to get a release, but I, I never knew that it didn't. Our main funder was actually the government of Taiwan um, because they wanted Dan to go to Taiwan and sort of create their professional animation industry. It really got kind of weird. Like you show up for a screen and you forget to bring the movie. I, I just don't, I still to this day can't fathom how that could happen. But at the same time, NASA has better things to do with their time than help filmmakers. It was all motivated really by my vision that our job on the imaging team was to be the documentarians of our travels around Saturn and to return a visual record of what we saw there. You've never seen it? No. <laughs> what the fuck? This is Finding Quantum Quest. I'm Spencer Worth Davis. Finding Quantum Quest is a production of Duveed Media. Subscribe now wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, this is the first time that I'm hearing this trailer and it sounds fucking amazing. I know. I'm like literally so proud and excited for Spencer and like excited for our, you know, production company <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. because I, this podcast, like the trailer says, like goes so much farther than its initial, you know, search. And I remember like in the, in the, the initial stages of quarantine, Spencer texting me and being like, I think I have this, I have this crazy story. I think I'm going to follow the lead of it basically. And he would call me every couple of days and like add a different layer of mystery and intrigue to it. And it just seemed so surreal and exciting. And then he created this beautiful podcast out of it. Um, I'm just so proud of him and so excited for him. And we're really going to call on our Just Break Up listeners to support Spencer in this new endeavor and to support obviously David Media, our new podcast network. For sure. And it's just like so cool to like think that I know someone who could create something so cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know oh, what I it, mean? Like, like the fact that like I know someone who could do this level of investigation and like create something so like cool and interesting and professional sounding. Yes. Like I'm just like, yeah, in and awe that he the works with that, us. Like, <laughs> yeah. Right. Like when we started this stupid podcast three and a half years ago, yeah. he was like, yeah, I'll take a, I'll take a leap on this yeah, podcast yeah. with these two people. And now it's like, oh, no, he, he's he really like he was scraping the bottom of the barrel yeah. when it came to like supporting <laughs> us. <laughs> yeah. But look how far we've grown to David Media, that's right, that's right. moving on to quantum, finding quantum quest. Um, anyway, y'all. So this is an investigatory uh, podcast and he has so many amazing interviews and sound clips. He obviously makes the music. Um, it's just, I don't want to tell you a lot more than the, the trailer has told you because there's a lot of like t- twists and turns in this story. Um, but ultimately I just want you to know it's a really beautiful podcast. So obviously the trailer is out right now. We want you to share that, listen, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And the first episode of Finding Quantum Quest can be listened to on January 26th. Okay, I'm literally subscribing right now. Oh my God, me too. Good idea. (laughs) My phone is in my hand. (laughs) (laughs) All right, thanks for sharing our excitement about these two new projects. Sam, do you want to finally get into some letters? Yes, let's do it. Our first letter comes from Deep Fried, whose pronouns are she, her, and who is writing from the void. Deep Fried writes, I am a heterosexual 27-year-old, she, her, dating a heterosexual 30-year-old, he, him. 
We've been dating for six years now, and I love him so much. We've had tough times in our relationship, and I've shamefully allowed him to treat me like garbage. Some examples include having him be unsupportive of me and my career choices slash extra training I've gotten to help me become better at what I love, singing and acting. He has made me feel like I am not worthy of being a musician by telling me I'm not good and saying things like, when you hang out with bad musicians, you become a bad musician. When I sing off pitch in my car to my oh favorite my song. I know. <laughs> what a joy he has killer. Said I, <laughs> honestly, he has said I don't work hard. And so I packed my schedule to show him. He has said that my mental illness isn't valid and that it's laziness. And in our most recent fight, I realized he also gaslights my experience when I tell him that something he said hurt. And he responds with something along the lines of, you took it the wrong way. I didn't say it like that. You're too sensitive. And I know all this sounds bad and has hurt me like hell, but I still love him. And we've talked about these issues and he apologizes sometimes and tries to be better. He has been doing better recently. Now to complicate matters further, I have a six-year itch, if that's how the expression goes, about marriage. I don't expect marriage right now, but it's something I want in the future. He doesn't. He says that he doesn't want it because it doesn't change the relationship. It complicates money. He already sees my money as his money, and he doesn't like it when I spend it on things that he finds dumb. And again, I know this isn't a good thing, and it makes me pause because I don't try to control his finances and the many instruments he buys and the many things he hoards in our apartment together. But I want to work through our issues so bad and marry him, but he doesn't want to get married. He says the more I ask, the less he wants to do it. He also says he's giving up his ideals against marriage if he marries me, but I have given up so many things to appease him. Maybe none of this is big, but I am deciding more and more that I want to be married and I'm giving up my wants again because he doesn't want to. I know I should leave him, but I love him so much. He has said in the past that he wanted to get married. He calls me his priance, which is like a pre-fiance. And he has said, we'd better talk to the priest about taking classes so we can get married by the church. And he is not particularly religious. He just plays at church with me sometimes. So it was huge to hear that. But I know if I bring it up, he'll deny it and make me feel like I'm making it up. When we first started dating, he said he doesn't know if he wants to get married, but maybe in five or six years. So I'm wondering now. And I also feel like saying I don't know about marriage is saying no, and I missed it. Or if it is different, saying maybe later down the road I want marriage and not flat out saying I don't believe in marriage. Ugh, icky feelings. I feel dumb, and I know I should leave him and find someone who wants what I want, but I feel selfish and my love feels conditional if I do. This leads me to my question. Is my love conditional if I want to be married and I leave him to find someone who will marry me? Should I give up that desire of mine to be with someone I love and have gone through so much with? And are relationships always so hard all the time? Are they a lot of work in every relationship? Because I don't know if I want to go through these hardships again. I feel so tired. Hmm. Thank you so much for writing Deep Fried and uh, for sharing this. I'm sorry that you're feeling so tired. I would be tired too. This sounds like a really tiring, intimate relationship um, in which I'm. you are constantly negotiating, you know, his negative behaviors. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and by negotiating, I mean like, you know, you're constantly downplaying them or justifying them or like negotiating how you can make your f- life fit around the behavior that you don't like. And also blaming yourself for yeah. those bad behaviors too, totally. which I want to want to make sure that we call out in this too, right? Like you aren't allowing him to treat you any type of way, right? Like he's treating you poorly. So yes. it's not that you need to have stronger boundaries around what he's allowed to do, right? Because that's sometimes what we think of like, oh, it's my fault that I let him treat me like this. Like, no, like he's the antagonist in the yes. story, friend. Like 
he's the one that is doing the things. And that's much more important for us to call out and be aware of. Right. And like, we need to put the focus of the blame on that rather than saying, oh, I'm so bad because I didn't establish better boundaries. Right. Like at the end of the day, sure, we could establish better boundaries and we could like get this man out of our lives, which spoiler alert is going to be my recommendation. Uh, (laughs) But he's the one that's doing the bad things, right? And I want us to yeah. be really, really clear about that because sometimes when we're in relationships with like this, where there's gaslighting and when there's like really bad behavior, like we put so much blame on ourselves for like allowing this to happen. I know. Or like, oh, we just need to fix this person and then they won't treat us so badly. Or if I did things differently, maybe he wouldn't be such an asshole to me. Yeah. And like, that's not it. Like, he's going to be an asshole regardless because he's just an asshole. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I think it's really interesting like to to pause on the letter for a second and to zoom out to like the cultural response that you're talking about the well if you're in an abusive relation an, in an abusive relationship we we hear this rhetoric a lot in domestic violence instances it's like why didn't you leave or why did you let him abuse you or her or them um right. and I think that it's such a complicated like on the surface, it seems like just like a very victim blaming, you know, um, sort of narrative. But I think it's more complicated than that, too, because I see a lot of I have had a lot of personal growth in reflecting on my boundaries and why I, quote unquote, allow or let's just say foster or nurture some mm-hmm. unhealthy d- dynamics or like, you know, looking back in my past unhealthy relationships, it's like, why did I put up with that? Why did I like, you know, what sure. in me made me justify all of that negative behavior in order to feel loved? Mm-hmm. And I think I think like we get conflated, like because a lot of us who have had personal empowerment from the process of of that self-examination and that self-accountability, we see all situations like that. Oh, well, if you're in an, an unhealthy relationship, we immediately go to the self. You know, we immediately go mm-hmm. to the self-blame. And I don't think the point I'm trying to make is like, I think it's one, your point is a thousand percent correct. And sh- and should be the amplified narrative. And mm-hmm. two, um, I think that we forget that we can, you know, you can do all the self-help you want. You can like prepare yourself and heal yourself and empower yourself all you want. We still can't control how people treat us. <laughs> you yep. know what I mean? Like something that I had to get over is like, it doesn't matter how much I understand what got me into an abusive relationship. That doesn't, that's not going to prevent me from meeting abusive people in the future. What I can, you know, like, therefore I am not responsible for their behavior. You know, I need to like be accountable to myself and get myself in and out of situations and, and advocate for myself. But like, I, I just extrapolating on what you're saying is that it's so important in this instance for us all just culturally to remind ourselves like, this is not your fault, deep fried. <laughs> like this person is is fostering this negative behavior towards you, um, yeah. and is, and sounds like he's being really controlling and critical. And at the end of the day, that is a reflection of his personality more than it is a reflection of your boundaries or of your relationship with self. You know what I mean? For sure. I think, For sure. I just think it's such an interesting negotiation that we do. Um, and I do it too, because, because like I said, I've had such healing from 
reflecting on why, what I contribute to my past abusive relationships, you know, like mm-hmm. what, what I have fostered in those relationships. But at the end of the day, it is, it is tantamount that I tell myself, well, Sierra, it doesn't matter what you did and didn't do. That person was very abusive to you, you know? <laughs> right. right. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that like, that self-reflection can be super helpful, but it's really yeah. hard to have that self-reflection when you're still in the relationship yes. itself, right? Because then it becomes, oh, this person, this person is controlling my finances. It's because I'm bad at financing or I, I'm bad at finances. And if I really wanted it to stop, what I would do is have stronger boundaries about around what he can and can't do, right? Like, and that's not it, right? Like he's being controlling. That's the issue here. And so it's not like you have to do things better to make him right. stop doing that thing. It's that you need to get out of the relationship so that you can do the the healing that needs to happen away yes. from this person who's abusive, yeah. right? Like that's that's the issue here. Like the the things that you listed here are like for me telltale signs of abusive behavior around like insulting people, right? Like in gaslighting people, yep. saying like you're being too sensitive, the things I'm saying aren't that bad financially controlling people like that is such a big one yeah, of it's like funny I wouldn't have I wouldn't I I was just about to say in my notes like I'm not gonna I don't want to give you a word that you don't maybe apply like I wouldn't necessarily immediately call this relationship abusive um or even unhealthy uh but the the red flags that you brought out are just like so accurate like it's mm-hmm. so funny just the, how blind I can be be to those two, you know, or how justifying that even we can be culturally, you know? Um, and the other thing I was going to say is like, even if it wasn't, even if you deep fry don't want to claim your relationship is abusive, it sure as hell doesn't sound like loving (laughs) or I don't know, like nice. (laughs) Yeah. Right. It doesn't sound like a really healthy place to be growing into your understanding of yourself and the dreams that you have. Right. Especially because he's shitting on those dreams all the time. Yeah. Like, I, and it's just, um, I can totally understand that it's like so hard to be in those relationships and love someone deeply who's like yes. treating you so poorly. And the fact that like so often abusive relationships become like self-reinforcing yes. over and over again, right? Like if everything's your fault, right? Then like, of course you deserve the behavior that you are or the the abuse or the the vitriol or the control that he's exerting over you. If you can like never live up to the expectations, then like, of course it's always your fault. And therefore you deserve to be treated this way. And then of course it's your fault. And then you, like, it just like keeps going in this perpetual cycle. And the narrative is that you're not loving him well enough. Oh my God, right? Yes. Like the narrative is, is that you're not doing enough to make him happy. And so- what happens is, is then like you're constantly telling yourself over and over again, I love him so much. I love him so much. And I'm just not showing it or I'm just not doing it in the right way. Like it, it, it is such a mo- like so psychological mind fuck to be in those situations because the narrative is, is that like you're not loving him well enough. But the implication there is that like you love him deeply, <laughs> right? So right. it's just like reinforces itself over and over again. And so what we tell ourselves is like, oh, I just love him so much and I'm doing it poorly. But really it's like, maybe you don't love him because of the awful things that he's doing to you. Yes, (laughs) I want to talk about marriage briefly um, because that is like one of the core questions in here. And I also want to respond to the last, one of the last questions, which is 
is my love conditional if I want to be married and I leave him to find someone who will marry me? Um, So first, marriage. Um, I want you to journal or write down or think of this in your head or answer me as I'm saying this, as you listen to this deep fried. Why do you want to marry this man? Mm -hmm. And it's not, why do you want to be married? Right. It's why do you want to marry this man? What about this man? Do you want as a husband? Be wary of two answers. One, to get married. That is not an answer to this question, right? To be married is not an answer. And two, the another answer I won't accept <laughs> is um, because we've been together so long. Mm. We talk about this a lot on the podcast and you can go back to past episodes and, and have this reinforced again and again, but I will say it here for you that time spent is not enough of a justification to stay. I know that you've been with this man for six years of your life. I know that you put in six years of love, building Mm. something, trying to build something with this man, right? But the real question is, isn't how long have I been working on this foundation, this building with him? The real question is, how much do I actually like the thing that we're building? How much do I enjoy it? Or, mm. or am I focusing too much on, on the end outcome of something that like, it doesn't even look like we're building at all. You know, mm. the metaphor that we always go back to from Josie Ong, who hosts the affirmation podcast is that you're, you're digging a well, honey, you're digging a well, you're digging, digging, digging for six years, looking for water, looking for that, that source of joy and comfort and stability and that commitment that you want. And you just can't find it, but you think, man, like Sam said, if I keep loving him better, if I love him better, or if I keep loving him well, all of this time spent will pay off. All of this time spent will equal, I will get what I'm owed because I put in the time, right? Mm. Um, Instead of actually saying, you know what, there's not any water in this, in this hole, in in this hole that I'm digging, it's not a well, it's just a, it's a fucking grave, right? (laughs) Uh Um, And we forget so often, we don't want to lose the six years of labor that we spent digging, looking, because we think, man, what if it's just one shovel load away? (laughs) What if Mm -hmm. it's just one shovel away and then there's water? Well, hasn't it been proven that six years of digging hasn't resulted in this water? It hasn't resulted Mm in fertile land. It hasn't resulted in hydration, in nutrition. It hasn't resulted in a relationship that makes me feel good about myself. So instead of digging in this well still, like what if we got up out of that well, got some fresh air, got a glass of lemonade, and then started digging somewhere else? That water might be right under the surface somewhere else. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I also think in that practice too, you can think about like, what are some of the things that make a good partner? Right. And, and ask yourself that question of like, what would I, what would I look for if I, you know, if I had the world was my option, Mm -hmm. right? Like what would I look for in a partner? Um, And, and then go through that and say like, supports my career, tells me he loves me, whatever it is. And then ask yourself like, is this a reflection of the man that I'm dating? Yeah. And, is it, is it helping? Um, and would also encourage you to think about like from those things too, like, where did you learn those? Right. If it's like, he loves me, right. Like where did you learn that he loves me is, 
is what a good partner is, <laughs> right? Because like people can love us and they can love us really poorly. Um, yes. You know what I mean? Or like whatever it is, just like go through that process and, and examine some of the patterns that you might be expecting and compare this person to who your who your ideal mate would be or like what it would look like to be really loved, really well loved. Like what would the what would the actions look like? What would be the behaviors? What would it, what would it feel like? Right. And is this a reflection of your current relationship? Right. But I also just want to make space, like, I think we've been going a little ham on you to, like, acknowledge the fact that this is also a really challenging place to be in. And I know that you do love this man. And I know that it is really, really hard to love someone and to have that love be returned to us in such a painful and hurtful way. Like, it's hard. It's hard to do this. It's hard to sit in this relationship and say, like, ah, I know I'm not being treated well, but... I also love this person and I've been with him for six years and, you know, I really want to get married and like every day is closer to death. So like every day, like I'm missing out on the opportunity to be married. Like that, all of that is incredibly difficult to be in. And I also want to create space for the fact that like this man, I don't really like him based on how you <laughs> described him, but I also know that like he's a human, right? Yes. And I, I love him because he's a human. And yes. I know that the things that he's doing aren't necessarily out of like malicious intent, but are are coming from a deep wound that he has, right? Yes, as a, agreed. As a human who deserves love, despite the fact that he's treating you really poorly. But you don't have to be the one that helps him heal that wound, right? Like you are, in fact, I don't even know if you could. No, even you can't. If you tried, right? So want to create space for the fact that like, I know that you love him and I know that he is probably a good person underneath all of this because we are all good people underneath all of our bullshit because we are wounded and we are hurting and that's why we do the things that we do. And also, I don't want you to be the one that fixes him, right? right? He's the one that needs to fix himself and I would be happy to support him and love him on that journey but I don't want his healing or his lack of healing to come at the expense of you and your beautiful, wonderful, talented, amazing existence and all of the opportunity and all of the abundance that exists in the world for you. That's so beautiful. And I wish I could end it right there, but I'm too long-winded. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to talk really quickly about love and conditional love and unconditional mm. love, because I actually mm. think this is something that you and I accidentally go back and forth on. And and here's why. Sam and I will say these two different statements at different in different episodes. We will say one, love absolutely should be conditional. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, you know, you can love someone and also have conditions as to like how they can treat you, mm-hmm. you know, expectations of how, you know, just like Sam said before, people can love us and they can still treat us really poorly, you know, right. like that your love should not be this endless bucket that they can drink from until you have nothing less to give, nothing left to give of yourself. Number one, mm-hmm. we can say that statement. And then in a def- in a different episode or in the same episode, <laughs> we can say something like, well, who taught you that love was conditional? Where is this sense of anxiety coming from? Where's this sense of scarcity and fear coming from that if you fuck up or if you're an imperfect person, that all of a sudden people are are not going to love you. You know, I have I have been guilty of of saying those two conflicting rhetorics myself because mm-hmm. it's something I deeply struggle with. I one in the past I have let people treat me poorly 
in order to justify getting love from them. And mm-hmm. two, I have been, even in my nice secure marriage right now, I'm constantly afraid that the security that my spouse has promised me is false because, mm-hmm. because I'm afraid if I don't do the dishes or if we get into an argument or if I ask too much or if I'm too anxious, I'm going to exhaust her unconditional love for me and then therefore lose it. You know, like Mm -hmm. I was taught at a young age that being good equals being lovable and so that I had to earn it, you know. So these are two totally opposing, conflicting and true statements (laughs) (laughs) that I just wanted to acknowledge. Um, Does that all make sense, Sam? Like, did I say that? Okay. No, and I think, I think, at least in my instance, like my love is unconditional, right? Like I love humans. Like I, I love people unconditionally and I see that they are, that they are human, that they are flawed, that they are struggling, that they are experiencing joy. Like, and I love that your access to me is absolutely conditional, right? Like what I'm willing to give you of myself is conditional on how you treat me. And that, and the conditions of that are much more lenient depending on the person, yes. <laughs> right? You know and what so I mean? Deep, like deep fry. That's, I love that setup for the question, Sam. So I'm going to steal it. Like is, does he, has he earned access to you for another six years? Right. Has he earned access to you from the way he's treating you? You know, you can love him. You can say like the, this time spent um, is, has been informative and important and beautiful and painful to me. I don't know if that is enough to grant you more of my life, to grant mm-hmm. you more of my happiness, you know? Right. And I actually, I actually really agree with what Sam said. Like we were kind of going a little hard on the dude in the beginning. <laughs> um, but that like, this doesn't sound, this, this is just humanness, right? And we know that it's hard to like look humanness in the face and say, you're not enough for me. I deserve more pure happiness. But honestly, at this point in my life, at uh, at 35, coming on 36, like I, I want nothing but happiness for you. I'm confident that there's love out there that doesn't make you so exhausted all the time. And uh, I, I don't want to just like, I don't want to look in the face of look your relationship in the face and be like, ah, not worth it, you know? (laughs) But like, I don't know, life is short and finite. And I know you've been, I know you've got this six year itch. I know you're in this well, but I'm I'm not sure this is how I want you to be treated for the next six Mm -hmm. years. Yeah, no, I mean, you you asked if relationships are work. Um, And I think that like, yeah, I do work in my relationship and- I get to reap the fruits of that work, right? Like I, I get the benefits of that work because we're, we're working together in sort of shared partnership towards a goal. Um, the type of relationship that I think that you are in is a lot of work, but like, what are the results? Like what is coming from that work? Is it, is it paying off? Is it leading to something that feels delicious and nutritious? That's like supporting you. So yeah, relationships are all work. And what is the outcome of that work? Yeah. Cause right now, like Sierra said, you're sort of in the bottom of a that. well and like there's no water there, right? Yeah. But, you know, people in relationships that are that are supportive and healthy of them are digging because the water's there, right? And like when they dig further, they get more water and it's work yeah. and it's sweaty and like you're working together and there's benefits from it. Things are yes. things are happening. Things are growing because of the work that you're doing. Yes, absolutely. 
All right, my darling deep fried. We hope that this makes you feel seen, heard, loved, affirmed. Um, and we wish you all the best. Absolutely. We love you. Thank you so much for writing. All right. Y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Break Up virtually. So I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week. And every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh, my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says quince. You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because (laughs) (laughs) honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E.com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, head and heart workers, you know, I'm all about tackling our money shame and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. (laughs) Stop wasting money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. (laughs) We don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. <laughs> Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. This next letter comes to us from Mr. Snrub. Snrub? Snrub. Why is that so hard for me to say? (laughs) S-N-R-U-B. Snrub. 
uh, whose pronouns are he, him, who is writing to us from Ireland. Hi, guys. Recently found your podcast while trying to recover from a breakup. Thanks for all the value and help you guys provide me and countless others. You two are fantastic. Around two weeks ago, my ex-girlfriend, 20 years old, quite suddenly broke it off with me, 24 years old, after eight months together. The relationship was great and we love each other. So it came as quite a shock. Her main reason for ending the relationship was that she didn't feel ready for such a serious relationship at her age and feels due to the age gap on golf in life experience that we just weren't at the same stage in life. We're also getting into, we were also getting into little arguments here and there, which although never major obviously took their toll and our priorities in life are a bit mismatched. For example, I take my studies and health and fitness more seriously while her priorities are going out and partying and have a, having a good time while in college, especially since the pandemic has stolen like a year and a half of this, which I have no problem with and was basically never a point of contention for me, but was obviously an important point for her. We're both in the same college class. Basically, this is my second degree, and I joined the course at a later point, hence the age difference. So the breakup has been a bit awkward since we see each other quite a bit and can't avoid it. But we've cleared the air, and there's absolutely no hard feelings on either side. I respect and understand her reasons for the breakup, and she broke up with me very graciously. Although I'm not waiting around or holding out false hope, I feel like things could be rekindled when she grows and feels more ready but right now it's probably best that we split up and I want to avoid thinking like that so that I can move on and heal she's still someone I care about and love deeply and want the absolute best for even if her best is not with me However, I still do miss her a lot and am full of frustration. So the frustration is that although I know I am an amazing boyfriend and overall I'm confident in myself and I feel like I'm very attractive, well-rounded, and a decent person, it still feels like it wasn't enough or that I wasn't enough. I know it hasn't been long since the breakup, but I keep moving between the ideas that, quote, this is the best and, quote, I should try and get her to give me another chance. However, as much as I want her back and miss her, I know that right now this is for the best. And if we get back together, it should come from her when she's ready, not me. Also, I want to avoid the whole toxic on and off situation that so often occurs because, frankly, I have enough self-respect and respect for her to engage in such behavior. Plus, I know that while the wounds are still raw, that I'm idealizing the relationship when in reality it wasn't totally perfect. I don't know what I can do because it feels like there's so much out of my control when it comes to relationships. I know I'm a good person and that I'm a great catch, but I guess I'm having trouble processing that even when I do almost everything right, it still isn't enough sometimes due to the timing or whatever, especially when you think you've found someone that ticks all the right boxes for you. I know that's a very broad question, but I'd love to know your guys' insights and wondering if you guys have any tips or thoughts on this matter. Thank you and happy holidays. Mm. Oh, my darling, uh, Mr. Snurrub. <laughs> All right, Mr. S, here we go. <laughs> there we go. Um, uh, thank you so much for writing um, and for trusting us with this letter. Um, yeah, this is hard. First of all, I, the, there is echoes in the JBU community right now just saying like two weeks into a breakup. Yeah, it's really raw. <laughs> um, and I want to echo that sentiment that's being said across the world right now. And also I want to commend you because I read so many uh, secure and stable 
healing patterns in this letter, like mm. not wanting to do the on and off, recognizing that it's, it's still really early and you know these feelings are raw, but you know it was for the best because you ultimately want to be with somebody who wants to be with you. Um, right. And I also love that you were like, she broke up with me graciously. I have a lot of respect for her. I have a lot of respect for myself. Like there's a ton of foundational ideas here that I just want to like say, good job. I know it's laborious. I know it's tiring. I know it's painful, but the mental processing that you're doing is going to pay off. You're You're having the right thought patterns. For sure. Absolutely. And I think that this is a great instance for us to use my new favorite phrase, which is, of course, right? <laughs> of course, you still miss her a lot. Of course, yeah. you're feeling frustrated. Of course, you're feeling like you're not good enough, even though you know that you are. Of course, you're wondering what it would look like to get back together. And of course, you know that you shouldn't do that right now, right? Like, yeah, absolutely. You're two weeks out of a breakup, which is such a big thing, even if it's gracious even if you understand the reasons for it, like it is just a hard thing to do to have this big shift in yourself and your relationship with this person that you really care about, that you really um, still want to be with. Like, oh yeah, absolutely. I can't, I can't tell you how understandable it is that you're processing through all of these things at the same time and you're having all of these different conflicting feelings all at the same time, right? Like this is... This is what it means to be human is to never feel or think one thing at any given moment, but instead to feel 27 different things right. at all times. Right. right. And, and, and yeah, I just want to see to be you. expected to only act on one of them. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And so like feel and be thinking contradictory things yes. too, right. To say like, Oh my God, I really want this person back. And I know that it's for the best that we're not together right yes, now. Like totally. Oh, how are our brains? How are our tiny little brains supposed to compute? Tiny little brains. Both those things, <laughs> both those things can be true at the same time. Like how are, yeah. how are we supposed to understand the world in that way? Um, it's just so challenging. So yeah, like, let me... I see you and I feel you and just want to affirm, like there's nothing wrong with you for thinking and feeling all these different things at the same time. Like, yes, absolutely. All of yeah. that is totally understandable and totally expected of what would happen in this situation yeah. for you in this moment. And let me add to that little mind fuck a little by saying, <laughs> um, by echoing some of your big broad questions, which is like, what, like I am a catch and we did, every, we did work well and it just wasn't right timing or this person just wasn't right for me. Like, how do we, with our tiny little ape brains, like process that, <laughs> you know, like, what are you, what are you telling me? I did everything right. Um, and it doesn't work. You know, like, yeah. how am I supposed to, tr how am I supposed to find peace and confidence and comfort in a universe that isn't just, that mm. doesn't give me my reward after I put in the work, you know, like the mm. well metaphor, right? Well, let me tell you, there's very little peace or justice. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. There's a ton of peace. I don't know about justice, but, um, mm. so something that I do to combat those, like, those impossible thoughts about the universe's contradictions or what I, what I see as um, what we think we're promised by the universe, but that the universe never actually said is true <laughs> yep. um, is, you know, 
uh, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you always hear me say things like, I'm not meant for everyone and not everyone is meant for me. Um, this person might be great. She might tick all of your boxes, Mr. S, and she still might not be the person for you because of core or very minute incompatibilities like timing, like interests, like, you know, mm. the other person's healing process, the other person's interests, maybe who knows? Like there are like, we could write a list we could spend all day writing a list of the reasons why a relationship didn't work in at the time that it didn't work. And it could be like somebody's moods like that. They weren't, <laughs> yeah. they weren't on the right uh, psychiatric prescription, mm-hmm. you know, and that they, they weren't like acting at their, their core selves, or maybe they're not medicated and that they were just like, um, not feeling you at that time or like, you know, like I'm just, I'm spitballing here with some really weird examples, but no, there's like, there are relationships that like I went on like three dates with someone and they were really awesome. And then like, I went on vacation for two weeks and we didn't really communicate. And then when I came back, we just like the spark wasn't there anymore. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like it could literally be like, you just went on vacation and that was the reason why oh the God, relationship petered out. <laughs> yeah, Why'd right? you break like, up? Well, I went on vacation. <laughs> and then they just sort of like stopped responding to yeah. me. I don't know. Like, yeah. It, there's can so be one many of the mitigating <laughs> factors. Um, and so anyway, something that I do to like help quiet the din that is those, that is the unknown, right? That the, is the injustice of the universe is to say the mantra, right? Like not everyone is meant for me. And how I reinforce that is like, if I have, if you meet someone who's like cute, smart, but like there's just little tiny things that you don't like about them. You have a universal right to be like, I don't want to be with you. That is it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you have a universal right to reject someone to say like, you're not for me. Right. You, you, mm-hmm. it is impossible to be for everyone. Right. We can't. Mm-hmm. And therefore your ex has that right too. And it sounds like you're somebody who's really good at exercising that self and respect and exercising the respect for others. So it's sort of like saying, I know this doesn't make sense, but I don't need it to make sense because it's not her reasonings are not for me to make sense of. Right. Mm. Her reasoning, like she, there's some grace that's allowed in there, right? Like, you know what? She doesn't want to be with me and she can't ever like because of timing or, or whatever. And I just have to accept that because digging deeper to find more justice or find more cause or more reason or like more peace, as I say, it's, it's not going to come because it has to come within that stillness in yourself. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that, I think that we generally are taught to believe that if we follow the right steps, the right thing will happen. Right. And that if we get the thing it's because we did the right thing and if we don't get the thing it's because we didn't do the right thing and i would say that it's not even that the universe is unjust in those instances it's just that the universe is much more complicated than we give it credit for right like interactions between humans are way more complicated than than bulleted lists they just are right because there's there are an un imaginable number of circumstances that are happening at any given moment and in any given experience that are going to impact it. So it's, it's just, it sucks, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. I wish that I could say like, well, looking at number 11 on this list, here's where you might've fucked up a little bit. So like maybe next time do that differently. And then number 11, you'll, you'll be good and you'll get the thing, but that's just not the way that the, that the world works, no matter how hard we want it to. So 
I want to say it sucks that that's the truth. And it's also wonderful, right? Like that's what makes life exciting. That's what like makes, that's what the beauty of humanity and connection with people is, is that it's like infinitely complicated and infinitely complex. Like you're never going to experience the same thing twice because everything around us is changing at any given moment. Yes. So like, yeah, this didn't work out in this instance, but like you in a different set of circumstances with a different type of person might yield something beautiful and wonderful and long lasting and whatever it is that you want that relationship to be. Because we have we have infinite possibilities in front of us because of the complexity of the universe and of our experiences of each other. And Sam's bullet point metaphor makes me think too, another way that I can look into that infiniteness and not feel overwhelmed or small or out of control is to remind myself, well, what can I control truly? Like make that bullet point list, like name five things a day that you can control. I can, I can control what I wear in the morning. I can control Mm. what I put in my body. I can control how long I spend thinking about my ex today. I'm going to set a timer. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. or, or whatever. Um, I'm going to control, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to do some reading, right? I'm going to read a book about breakups or something like that. And then I can control like the treat that I'm going to give myself after dinner, (laughs) you know? And then there's like an even longer list of things that you can't control. And in this instance, Mr. S, I would say like, you know, I can't control when my ex would be ready or not ready to get into a relationship. That would be, that would be wasted time spent worrying about that. I cannot go back in time and fix and do things differently. So I'm not, I, I can't control, I can't, number one, I can't go back in time. And number two, there's no other path. There's no, like there, like Sam said, there's no checklist that I could have gone through, you know? Mm-hmm. So hopefully that that brings some some peace to this, to this really anxious and like shitty, but also like human puzzle. You know, it, it sucks to be rejected. It sounds like you have all of the right framework to, heal from this but also like you said it's early breakups take time to heal allow yourself to be angry allow yourself to be like i need space from you um and i don't need to spend so much energy justifying why we broke up i just need to focus on what i can control today what's going to make me feel good what's going to make me feel valuable like you said Mm -hmm. yeah no absolutely i agree with agree with all of that All right, Mr. S, we hope that this helps. We love you so much. Thank you so much for writing. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right. Our third and final letter comes from Anxious Introvert, whose pronouns are she, her, who is writing from the void. Hi, Sam and Sierra. I wanted to start by saying how much I've absolutely loved listening to Just Break Up over the past year. In fact, I'm really proud of this accomplishment. It was my top podcast in my Spotify wrapped this year. My favorite Monday morning routine is making myself a cup of tea and listening to the new JBU episode. Repeat on Aww. Wednesdays for the Patreon episodes. Ha ha. Aw, double aw. Right? Thank you for all of the comfort and growth you've brought me this year. Smiley face. So here's the pickle. 
I am an anxiously attached introvert dating a securely attached extrovert. Our relationship is a very healthy relationship. We communicate openly, respect one another, support one another, and are able to resolve conflicts in healthy ways. However, recently we've been discussing something that's making me feel a little triggered. We have been discussing how to balance planned and spontaneous time in our relationship. My partner expressed how he needs variety in his social life. He said that he really thrives when he gets to bounce around a bunch of different friend groups rather than sticking with just one core group of friends and spending all of his time with them. He also expressed that he needs to mostly live his days day by day. He prefers spontaneous, natural interactions. In terms of the time we spend together, he says that he loves spending time with me, but prefers that feels natural rather than like an obligation. For example, we try to get lunch together every Tuesday and he expressed feeling like sometimes these lunches feel like more of an obligation than something he looks forward to. He described his ideal arrangement, spending time together naturally and not trying to set a quote, minimum expectation of the amount of time we should be spending together. My little anxiously attached heart went a little haywire hearing this, but I am reminding myself that this is all very normal and reasonable. My partner is different from me. Cool. Welcome to being human. But I'm feeling a little anxious about how to spend, quote, enough time with my partner. My partner reassured me that just because he wanted our time to be less structured and planned didn't mean that he didn't want to see me anymore. He encouraged me to text him if I wanted to spend time together or just drop by. I guess logically that seems so easy. Yeah, I'll just text him. Sure thing. No big deal, right? Wrong. My mind immediately started imagining a scenario where I text him to hang out and he says no because he's not feeling it or would rather do something else. I know that this would activate my attachment system and make me feel really triggered and rejected. I'm trying to understand what a good balance between time, planned time together and spontaneous time together is. I told my partner about how much I value consistently, how inconsistent affection for my parents was when I was a child, and how quality time is absolutely one of my love languages. I also described the joy I get out of planning things. It feels like an act of love for the people I care about, like a sign that I really prioritize them, and also gives me things to look forward to amidst classes and homework and work. I also explained that spontaneous interactions with groups of people that I don't know well sometimes really stresses me out. They trigger my social anxiety and my introversion. Because of our differences in attachment styles, introversion and extroversion, and spontaneity, this arrangement feels really difficult to me. I think that this arrangement will require me to take a bold, unfamiliar step and be more trusting that my partner will reach out to me to hang out, even if I don't, and that I'm brave enough to reach out myself, even at the risk of rejection. Right. Without clear, structured rules or expectations, I need to increase my tolerance for uncertainty and learn how to handle the discomfort of not knowing when I'll get to spend time with my partner next. This arrangement will probably also push me to grow out of my social, social circles more or deepen my life more. So when my partner is off finding variety, I am still finding connection and feeling happy. These all feel like good things for me to learn, but I can't help but feel like my needs aren't being taken into consideration. Though I can't tell if I'm being too needy or oversensitive or demanding in feeling that way. I think I could benefit from learning how to go with the flow more. And consistency and reliability is super, super important to me. Should I assert myself and set some boundaries and ask him to intentionally set aside time for me? I would really appreciate any and all advice you have for me. Thank you so much. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. Anxious introvert. I adore this letter. I adore these questions. Um, and I feel your busy little anxious mind doing a ton of work right now, trying to figure out what the best way to approach this is. Um, so I just want to nod to that anxious little working mind and saying, you're doing a good job. You're doing the best that you can. And Sam mm -hmm. and I love you. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it's clear to me that you, um, your this relationship is really important to you. And like, 
growing, self-growth, self-awareness, all of that is really important to you. And I feel that come through in this letter. And I just want to say like, excellent. I love that. I love that you are, you're focusing on how to grow in your relationship and how to grow in yourself. And like, that's really, really great. And to say to you also like, and you're doing it. So like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you, can, you can like we see yeah. you. You're doing it. Like yeah. you're you're good, right? Like just a little bit of like, okay, so let's breathe, right? Yep. We don't have to do this all the time, yep. right? We don't have to we don't have to be running at warp nine point nine all the time, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, okay, so I have two points. I'm going to start with mine because it's a great setup for Sam's response to this letter, which is the core, <laughs> which is like what I'm <laughs> counting on um, because it's really good. <laughs> um, but so my point and my setup for Sam is just to say like, you know, on this podcast, we love talking about attachment styles. We love talking about love languages. Sam and I love mm. Enneagram, like, uh, you know, even astrology gets mentioned here and there, right? Like <laughs> we sure, love sure. these, we love these, um, identities, these labels, especially things like attachment styles. Um, I've learned so much about myself, through understanding my anxious attachment style. It has changed the way I exist in relationships and the way I treat myself, the way I talk to myself. And also these things that we discuss, these labels, these identities, these tools are meant to give us a language or a framework to better understand ourselves and our needs. But it's not not an end all, right? Your relationship is not inherently doomed or incompatible if you don't, if you have opposing attachment styles, right? Um, and I, I wanted to say that as like a general blanket statement um, and as like a segue into Sam's more effective point, um, because I think I've been reading this a, a lot in our letter, like, Y'all, I found out about attachment styles on this podcast. So like I have been on this journey <laughs> with you, right? Like I've been, I've been unpacking my attachment, my anxious attachment style with all of you. And something that I'm starting to, to see and reflect now is that like, yeah, understanding our attachment style is crucial and so helpful and so beneficial and, and so, and so informative. And also it's not a curse. It's mm-hmm. not a negative diagnosis. It's not another thing to think that we're failing at or, or is broken about us. Mm. Um, and I want to just say about this letter, like all of your needs are valid in this. <laughs> like um, you're not fucked up in this letter. Like you're not fucked up in this relationship. And I want you to be empowered by your attachment style and not um, frozen by it or not, convinced of uh brokenness or like rigidity of it does that make sense absolutely yeah no y'all couldn't see my emphatic nodding when Sierra was talking (laughs) but it was emphatic and I think I mean you read the majority of the letters and so like you see that often right like people kind of take it as like a diagnosis for sure okay no, absolutely. They take it as a as a diagnosis in a couple of ways, which is to one to say like I'll never be able to change, which isn't necessarily true, right? right. Like we all have infinite capacity to learn right. and grow. And or they take it as a diagnosis of I'm always going to be the problem. Yes. Which is to say, right, we live in a in a society, particularly in the United States that values secure attachment styles and values extroversion. And says that people who have anxious attachment styles or avoidant attachment styles or people who are introverted are somehow less 
valued, right? Like the preference is not for those people is how I would think about it, right? Like we preference secure attachment styles and extroversion, but like having an anxious attachment style, being introverted isn't a problem, right? right? Like it's not a bad thing. It's just a thing that exists. And it's just a framework. It's just, it just, it just gives me language to talk about myself. For sure. And it's, it's a, it's an understanding of how we move through the world. So I think what often happens in relationships is that it's like, oh, well, you have the anxious attachment style or or like, oh, you're the introvert. So like, it's up to you to like meet me where I'm at as an extroverted person who's in a secure attachment style, right? And that's not actually true. Like, I love what you said in this letter of like, I think I can benefit from going, from being more go with the flow and consistency and reliability is super, super important to me, right? And so I think what, I am a little bit frustrated by in the scenario and how it's playing out with you and your current boyfriend. And I don't want to like, I don't mean this in a way that like people are bad people or that they're doing something really mean or wrong. What I'm saying is that I'm just frustrated by this, the, that the idea seems to be that his is the right or best way to interact with people. Yes. And that your job is to make yourself uncomfortable and meet him where he's at. Yes. Whereas what I would love to see from this relationship is a little bit more of us agreeing to sometimes be uncomfortable in like equal value. Yes. yes. <laughs> right? To say like you to say like, yes, absolutely. You know what? I've, I want to be more go with the flow. I want to be more spontaneous. I agree with you anxious introvert, I want to be more spontaneous too. It's something that I am continuing to work on. And I want you to be able to say, and I would love for you to create some, to help me create some consistency in our relationship because that's important to me. Spontaneity is important to you. Reliability and consistency is important to me. So how can we find ways to bridge to each other as opposed to me just bridging to your style of relationship? Because his is not the right or best way to do it. It is just a way to do it. Yours is not the right or best way to do it either. It is just a way to do it. And so how can you find a way to to allow both of your preferences to exist and to spread out the expectation of discomfort between the two of you and not have it rest solely on your soldiers? Because let me tell you, my little lovely anxiously attached people in my life love to put all of the discomfort on their shoulders. They love to take it. They love to say <laughs> it's my fault. And so I should be uncomfortable all the time. And that's not true. That is absolutely not how it should work, right? The discomfort should be shared. It shouldn't be the, you shouldn't be the only one to have to change or adapt or meet me halfway. Yeah. Right? He as a securely attached person and person who loves spontaneity also has infinite capacity to be able to stretch and figure out how to have lunch with you without viewing it like an obligation. Totally. <laughs> right? Like totally. He does. He absolutely does. Yeah. I, it's so good to hear Sam. Like Sam taught me that all of that, <laughs> you know, like I said earlier that I like unpacked my attachment style on the podcast. Like if you listen back to the last like 30 episodes, <laughs> it's slowly me being like, yeah, I fucking hate my attachment style. And Sam being like, <laughs> So are we going to unpack, you know, like maybe it's not the worst thing about you, Sierra. (laughs) And I totally agree with Sam here. Like, I love that. I love saying like, well, we, we need to share discomfort, right? Because discomfort's Mm -hmm. a part of life and there's not a right, like Sam, it's just so like mind altering to say, 
that we value extroverts, but that extroverts aren't the right way to do things. We Mm -hmm. value security, but security is not the right or wrong way to do things. Obviously, And here's here's why there's not a right or wrong. Like, cause like literally that inner critic in my mind was like, there's obviously a right way to be <laughs> like secure is the way we all want to be. Right. You know, like that's what we're leaning towards. Mm-hmm. But here's why there's no right or wrong. Like, obviously, there are <laughs> attachment styles that have less pain <laughs> mm-hmm. or less uh, disconnection or, or anxiety or whatever. But why there's not a right or wrong attachment style is because none of us are at fault for the wounds that we inherited through our social conditioning, right? right? It is not our fault. It's not my fault that I have an anxious attached my style. And therefore it's not something that I should be ashamed of, or therefore it's not something that I should feel is wrong with me. Right? Like I, mm-hmm. I want to work. I want to, imp- I'm going to talk about my experience with cognitive behavioral therapy in a little bit that really helped me with my anxious thought patterns. But it's not my fault that I'm anxious. It's not my fault that I'm that I was taught this through whatever nuanced, subtle, and indirect ways that my relationships were formed in core formative years that I I wasn't even a fully functioning human. <laughs> like that's like For this sure. is, I, you know, attachment styles are not people's fault. They're not something that is wrong with us or that needs to be fixed in a way that makes us feel as though we owe betterness to other people. We owe Mm. it to ourselves to work through our anxiety, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) We owe it to ourselves to, to lean into discomfort, to find connection, but there's not a right or wrong way to exist in attachments. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that we can commit to learning and growing and moving closer to our goals while also acknowledging the fact that like, there's nothing inherently wrong with us, right? right? Like, like I love, and I believe anxious introvert that you can hold the complexity of that. Like I have all of the faith in the world that you can, that you're not going to hear what I'm saying and say like, oh, there's nothing wrong with me. I never need to do anything differently. Right. I, I, be, I believe that you can hold the complexity of saying there's nothing wrong with me. I am not something to be fixed. Right. And I have infinite capacity to learn and grow and try and do things differently in ways that are more aligned with my values or with my goals. Like both of those things can and do exist at the right. same time. Right. Um, I want to talk now that Sam has affirmed all of us anxious attached hearts out there <laughs> in the universe. I love I, it. I do want to talk specifically anxious attached heart to anxious attached heart about something that I did find brought me a ton of resources, peace, stability um, in terms of my anxiety. Um, So the last therapist that I saw, um, I'm no longer seeing her, um, was a specifically a cognitive behavioral therapist and I had never worked with cognitive behavioral therapy before, but it basically it aims it's therapy that aims to change thought patterns, um, conscious and unconscious beliefs about ourselves, attitudes, and ultimately, ultimately at the end goal behavior, right? First, we Mm -hmm. have to change like our, our connections in our brains. First, we have to change the patterns that lead us to these anxious thoughts before we can change behaviors. Um, and I also want to say something, another thing I didn't know about cognitive behavioral therapy is that it's traditionally meant to be a temporary thing, meaning like uh, a lot of relationships with your therapist are ongoing, like Sam's, you know, mm-hmm. ongoing therapist, right? 
most CBT therapists, um, you know, they say that the end goal is to is to approach a pot, a pattern or to p- approach an anxiety and try to work through it and solve it. And then, and then you stop seeing that person sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I saw a CBT therapist about my anxiety about just breakup <laughs> about oh, my, wow. about my, my, my work anxiety that I was having about putting my thoughts out there to 15,000 people a week. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, um, uh, and I also saw it, uh, saw the therapist and talked a lot about my anxious attachment style and my relationship. Like, how could I find, um, how could I rewire some of these anxious thoughts? Anyway, I just want to say to you, um, dear letter writer, like how transformative that work was for me um, and how specifically helpful CBT was for me to to reprogram some of those thoughts. And I just want to share really quickly, like one of the foundational ideas of CBT and then send you to some resources potentially. So one of the foundational ideas is that like anxiety um, allows us to have all these cognitive distortions. Um, And there's, there's 15, I'm sure there's more and I'm not going to read them all, but I'll read some of them. Y'all have heard me talk about catastrophizing before on the podcast. That's when we expect the worst case scenario and we minimize all the positives. That's our brains. Our anxiety's response is like, oh my God, everything's going to go wrong. What if I text my boyfriend if he wants to hang out and he says no. And then that, that means that he doesn't want to be with me. That would be catastrophizing thinking right there. For sure. Filtering thinking, which is like only focusing on the negative, ignoring all the positive. For me, that would be like focusing on the negative DMs that we got instead of the hundreds and hundreds of positive ones that we get from you beautiful listeners. Um, Polarized thinking, all or nothing. Everybody um, thinks that I'm an idiot and they don't like to hear what I'm talking about on the podcast. That's polarized thinking. Um, Another one is like... um, Overgeneralization, it's like assuming uh, a rule from one experience, meaning like if this person treated me this way, that means this person's going to treat me this way. Mm-hmm. Um, it, emotional reasoning, which we love here at Just Break Up, which is if I feel it, it must be true, which is yeah. not necessarily true. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and, and there's a, a bunch of other ones, but I just, I'm not going to read them all, but like, just learning about how our brain can lie to us and the many paths of misdirection it can take us on that lead to real thoughts and actions, you know, that lead me to, for, for me, speaking from my experience, to, to lead me to have an extreme physical anxiety and fear about doing this podcast, this, this podcast that I love, you know, that I, that I know I'm good at, that I enjoy doing with my friends, um, it was really powerful to stop those thoughts in their tracks and like put them on the right path to be like, Mm. so that they didn't lead to anxious behavior or or whatever. And it, um, you know, I won't get into how it helped me in my personal relationship, but it, it just like really helped me. I think so much of anxious attachment styles are these thought patterns, you know, these, uh, cognitive distortions as CBT calls them. Um, and so, just like from my personal repertoire of experience, I just wanted to suggest that to you, letter writer, because um, it's helped me so much. You don't necessarily, because CBT is kind of like user friendly, <laughs> You, if you can't um, afford or uh, therapy right now, or if there's a reason preventing you from seeking actual professional help, um, there are great resources out there. Like there are CBT workbooks where you, you know, like you literally like, 
they're all about addressing the anxious thought, right? So it's like a workbook mm-hmm. of like, well, the cost benefit of this thought or like where did, what, what cognitive distortion is this thought pulling at, you know, so you could get a work sheet online for free. You could, there are plenty of books that you can check out at your library. And also if you're able, I would encourage you to check out a CBT therapist in your area. Mm. Yeah. I love and that. also Those nothing's wrong with you. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, well, and half of the cognitive distortions, like for me, for example, about like my work anxiety were like, are you having polarized thinking? Do you think everybody hates you? Do you think everybody yeah, sure. thinks you're stupid? <laughs> I'd be mm-hmm. like, well, no, I don't. I don't think, I, I know that's not true. You know, so it was. But yeah, I think it, <laughs> right? Like that's the fun of that, that yeah, process. Yeah, of yeah. Like, I do think that even though I know it's not true. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, but so it, it just really, it affirmed that there's, it, it just redirected a lot of my thought patterns, but also in you know, in alignment with the, everything else that Sam and I've said in the response to this letter, um, you know, it really helped me affirm who I am, what I love about myself, you know, mm-hmm. that there are, mm-hmm. that, that I'm not letting the good in. I'm not letting the good feelings sure. about myself in. All right. That's all. And, sure. um, and rant about CBT. I love it. You know, I love therapy. So yeah. I'm on, I'm on board with that rant. Um, yeah. The, the last thing that I just want to talk about a little bit with anxious introvert is to say that like, um, just that I feel kindred with you and struggling with spontaneity. It is like something that I have been working on quite a bit because I too often just say no to spontaneous things because it freaks me out and it really stresses me out. Like what are the, what's going to happen? I don't know. And it's like, it's happening now. Like, right. And it's like, Oh, I need time to like think this over and like figure out how I'm going to show up and like all of that stuff. Um, so just want to know that I feel you and to say that one of the things that I've been doing to to help myself in this is to remind myself that I always have permission to say no, right? Like sometimes I, f- I think I fear spontaneity because it's like, oh, people expect this of me. So like I have to do it. And like, oh, I don't want to, to say like, nope, I have, I'm always allowed to say no to anything I don't want to do. So like, I don't need to prove that by saying no to everyone because it's already there. It's already inherent. Right. And the second thing is to remind myself that I am just as capable as other people of experiencing spontaneity and and socializing with people, right? I ha- I think I have this narrative of myself that I'm like so socially awkward and that like other yeah. people like and I just like am not equipped to be able to to handle this stuff. Um but what I've been realizing through the therapy therapy that I've been a part of um, through my work with my Enneagram coach is that like, I'm not uniquely afraid of social situations yeah, and I'm not uniquely unequipped to be able to, to handle social situations. I am absolutely capable of doing it. I am infinitely capable of doing it and, and reminding myself of that, of saying like, I am absolutely a hundred percent capable of doing the spontaneous thing. And I have permission to say no, if I don't want to has been like, has worked for me to totally reframe my fear of, oh, I don't want to do this social thing, but I know that I have to. And if I don't, people are going to hate me. And like, if I go, I'm going to really fuck everything up. And like, it's just not going to be fun. And I don't know who to be and what to do to instead say like, I am absolutely capable of doing this because I'm a capable person. And if I don't want to go, I don't have to go. Like, yeah, I'm not required. It doesn't mean anything about who I am or what I want to do. And like relieving myself of some of that pressure I've placed on myself about spontaneity and how I'm totally incapable have of spontaneity 
has helped, right? It hasn't fixed everything. I'm not, I'm certainly not the most spontaneous person in the whole world right now, but it is something where a friend invites me to do something. And my immediate reaction is to say like, nope, I can't do that. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. And instead to say, I'm absolutely capable of doing this. Do I want to? Because I can great. say no if I don't want to. But I think I kind of do because I want to see this person and I want right. to do what they want to do. And this could be a cool thing of, to do something I've never tried or meet a person I haven't met before. Right. Instead of being like, I can't do this. I'm not equipped and they want me to and I'm failing them. Right. Nope. There's no expectation there. I am. That's, I'm infinitely capable and I get to say no if I don't want to. That's so helpful. Thanks for sharing that. Mm -hmm. All right, my darling. We hope that that helps. Um, we see you. We love you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for writing. All right, everyone. This brings us to the blind date segment of our episode. This is when we try and set you up with something that we think you're really going to like. This week, we want to send you home with. All right. I'm going to cheat a little bit because to be honest, y'all, <laughs> we just entered the third trimester. So like all I'm consuming is like pregnancy books and I'm not going to like, I'll suggest the really good ones, but I'm going to spread out, spread out the pregnancy content. <laughs> Sure, sure, sure. Um, so I'm going to cheat and say two things. One, um, due to uh, the rise in COVID cases um, and the rise in seasonal depression, I'm feeling like a little stir crazy in my house. Um, so Spencer and I are watching all of the Marvel movies, all 27 of them <laughs> in uh, chronological order, not how they were released, but like chronological, chronological order. So you can join us on that journey if you want. And... Go listen again to the Quantum Quest trailer, Finding Quantum Quest trailer. Share that trailer if you're excited about it. Any word of mouth would mean a ton to us, a ton. Like this is, we're going to call on the JBU um, forces to support this project because I think it, it really deserves it. It's such a good podcast. I'm so proud of my friend um, and I'm proud of us for, for creating David Media. Um, subscribe and get ready to listen on Wednesday, January 26th. Absolutely. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Break Up Pod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes, but most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is also where you can find our merchandise. Please remember to follow, subscribe, leave a five-star rating and review wherever you get your podcasts and consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, You'll get an additional bonus weekly episode as well as access to our back catalogs of over 100 episodes. That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. This literally keeps the mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Just Break Up is a production of David Media. Ah, new one. You like that? Thank yeah, you. Yeah, love it. <laughs> and it contains original music, editing, producing, all magical things by our good friend Spencer Worth Davis, a.k.a. Big Cats. Make sure to check out his music on Spotify and his brand new podcast coming out on the 26th, Finding Quantum Quest. And remember... Take a moment to welcome and accept how beautifully, intricately complicated you are. You contain infinite feelings, in infinite options, mistakes, and choices. And in the same breath, remind yourself how you may never fully understand yourself. It's impossible. We are infinite. So how could we possibly expect ourselves to fully understand someone else? Let go of that expectation of yourself. Lean into the unknown, into the infinite, 
And if all else fails, just break up.